That's What She Said, Episode 16, Phyllis's Wedding. Hi, I'm Michael Scott, and for the next 40 minutes, I am going to be your tour guide through the lives of Phyllis Lappin and Bob Vance, one of the great, seemingly impossible love stories of our time. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go Welcome to episode 16 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 16th episode of season 3, entitled Phyllis's Wedding, which aired Thursday, February 8th, 2007. It's wedding season, you sandbagging SOBs, but Phyllis forgot rule number 98, hell hath no fury like a Michael scorned. She got her six weeks, but will Phyllis live to regret asking Michael to be in the wedding party? Will Dwight catch any of those nasty wedding crashers? Will Toby finally get lucky? Will Ryan survive the bouquet toss? Will Jim, for the love of God and all things holy on this great green earth, find the cojones to tell Pam how he feels? Or not? And who says it's bad to backslide? You see what 20 bucks can do? Lots to discuss? Lots to talk about? Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water cooler again this week, as usual, is our newly promoted senior sales associate, Ian Castleberry. Ian, how you doing? How's it going there, buddy boy? <laughs> Can't get my new title off the tongue there, huh? Uh, I know, I'm not used to such things. But, well, uh, it's been an eventful week. Uh, the blog page has been abuzz with critical comments on the show. Uh, mostly, it seems like mostly kind of negative comments, and I don't know what the general consensus is out there with uh, the rest of the Office fandom, but I want to throw this out here to you right away. Ian, what did you think of the episode this week? You know, I know deep down this show is really seems to be about two things. Michael Scott and whatever happens with Jim and Pam. But to me this seemed like an episode where I could have used a little less of both of those. Mm-hmm. You've taken you know, you've got this great cast of characters, you have them in a setting where they're all there having fun. I just I feel like they were really underutilized this week. Well you're right. I mean I right off the top, like again, we said this last week, we said where was Oscar? Right, and we said the same thing again this week, where was Oscar? If you paused briefly, you could spot him in the background. You actually had to go to the deleted scenes to get any of his stuff, and it's not that bad. It's actually pretty interesting material. Um, No, actually, I preferred Oscar's deleted scenes to some of the stuff that was in the regular episode. Yeah, and you're right. So I agree with what you're talking about. I mean, we have a lot of of stuff. I mean, wouldn't you like to see more Ryan and Kelly at the wedding? I I will also say, I mean, another great thing, I mean, you do have this great cast of characters and you have given them enough of a backstory where you can just have one moment here and there that explains everything like everything you need to know about ryan and kelly's relationship was explained in that bouquet toss (laughs) 
you know, the first time through, and this is a part of the part of the reason why. Um, I, I guess what I'll I'll say as far as what my opinion is is that when on Thursday when I sat down and watched this episode, I hated it on the first viewing. <laughs> I I felt so uncomfortable and so cringy at a lot of the stuff that was happening in the episode that I just was I was really disgusted almost. I just couldn't stand it. And at the t- I actually thought for some reason that that was Michael that batted the bouquet away. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I just I, it just seemed like because he was go- running around trying to be a jerk and doing all these crazy antics that somehow I thought it was him in there trying to grab for it or something. Yeah, him trying to catch it would have been. In yeah, totally. that's what I thought. That's what I thought at first, and then you know, I, I, going back and seeing it now I, again, I'm going to come clean. This is like it, it, people that have listened to the show before know that this happens quite often with me watching the episodes that after watching it a couple of times now two or three four times i've really mellowed a lot on my opinion thursday night matt and then there's weekend matt right and there's only been a few episodes this season that thursday night matt has really loved right off the bat and traveling salesman was one of those that we talked about uh this one like i said it took me a while to get into it and i think the biggest problem with it is that like i said the show has spent a lot of time this season making these characters seem human, mm-hmm. making Michael seem more than a two-dimensional caricature, making Dwight seem more than just a cartoon villain. And the problem with that is that once you start making people care for these characters, it uh, it, it becomes really uncomfortable to uh, have to sit and watch Michael and his demented, totally horrible childhood. I find nothing funny about showing 12-year-old Michael or whatever peeing his pants at a wedding. <laughs> Yeah, I just it was just too much. I mean, yeah, Michael has to do something inappropriate because, I mean, that's what the show is. That's who Michael Scott is. But I just think it should have been cut off at some point. Right. It's kind of nice. I mean, we've seen young Michael only once before, and we saw him in the Bring Your Daughter to Work Day episode, and that was really painful as well, showing him on the Fundle Bundle show where you know, he his big desire in life was to have all these kids so he could have people that were his friends and they couldn't say no to him and stuff like that. I mean, that was heartbreaking enough, really. I mean, that's yeah. that's not really funny. That's just sad. And the wedding thing, showing him with his peed pants, was just, uh, to me, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was, that was painful to watch. <laughs> that is terrible. And it's like, it, you can you can sort of mock adult Michael because he acts like an idiot, and it doesn't seem so bad, but it just doesn't seem, it's not really funny to, <laughs> I mean, were we supposed to laugh at him being his pants? Maybe uh, we can laugh at the fact that he looked back on it as a pleasant story. I don't know. He starts it off by saying... And then they like, have the kind of brought it full circle when <laughs> Bob Vance kicked him out. Right, exactly. I hate you! Uh, you know, I kind of feel I can't, I kind of feel like this, like I do about like this new Hannibal movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. All I need to know about Hannibal Lecter is that he eats people and kills people. I don't ne- necessarily need to know why. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know there's a natural curiosity. Well, what made him like that? And maybe there's a, a little bit of a curiosity with that about Michael Scott as well. We've definitely seen, we're getting some of that, we've definitely seen a lot of his really pretty messed up looking childhood and his uh, young adulthood as well uh, and his bad influence with Todd Packer and everything else. So I, I mean, I think the pieces are starting to fall into place, but I agree with you that, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we don't need to know those kind of things. And, and that was really uncomfortable for me at the time. So on the first viewing, that really bothered me that, total non sequitur in the in the chapel before the wedding where michael's you know do you fart 
<laughs> on first watch through that, just I don't know why it, it came out of left field and it just struck me as so n- unnecessary. Yeah, like, like a not. That, that's one place where I'd say you know Oscar's deleted scenes would have been much better. I think I would I would have enjoyed those much more. So weird. I mean, it's just like okay, it's I, like I said, I understand. It, this is a cringe com, and it's all about the awkward comedy. That was really strange. I just found that so strange, and just kind of off-putting. Who are we supposed to there. believe has done it, anyway? <laughs> the bridesmaid? I don't know. There was... Well, you know, whoever <laughs> smelt it, dealt it, clearly, right? I mean, and whoever denied it, supplied it, though. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> forgot that. I forgot about that sub... Uh... Amendment to the rule. I guess we're supposed to believe it was the cameraman. I don't know. It's a mystery for the ages. Like I said, the only other person in the room was the bridesmaid who took off and uh, the cameraman. One of those unfathomable mysteries, I guess, that are never meant to be known. And that's the kind of stuff. I mean, that that really kind of bothered me a lot uh, on the first watch. And after you know, after knowing what happened, then it didn't it didn't bother me as much. And the other thing that really bothered me on the first viewing as well was I guess trying to draw comedy out of a man with Alzheimer's or dementia. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah, that's that's some shaky ground. It, that was that was pushing it to me. Like especially they had that cutaway shot where they show him like in the street getting beeped at like almost getting run over by cars. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, god, is that funny? <laughs> I don't know. Is that really funny or not? I, I, uh, at the time, I, I, I love seeing old people in Jeopardy. You know, that's just <laughs> me. Uh, it, it sort of reminds me of the old, like the old sitcoms where we used to have sort of like the wacky town drunk. You know yeah. how it was like hilarious. <laughs> Being drunk used to be comedy gold. And I then we started. They, <laughs> I think they told the line with that pretty well, though. I mean, they didn't bang you over the head. I don't think they went too far with that at all. Well, I don't know, like I said, it was questionable, and, and it was kind of funny. I mean, it was kind of funny that that Dwight threw him out. I mean, that was sort of a funny bit, I will admit. You know, and it, it all turned out for the best, of course, at the end. But still, I, I, I mean, I think it's kind of pushing it. And that's sort of, like I said, my first watch through, it really more annoyed me than anything else. Uh, the second, third, fourth watch throughs, once I was aware of it, once I was waiting for it, it I could appreciate the humor in the situation, I think, mm-hmm. much more. You know, again, Thursday, Matt, it is pretty hard to please weekend matt after a tired you know <laughs> down in that bottle of jack he's ready to party yeah been so. beaten down by the weekend, right? <laughs> one of the other things too that we want to talk about in here i guess i want to bring up is cause we talked about this last week uh, a few times and it's the idea of pranking and the pranks on the show we start off in the cold open with another prank jim playing pavlov with dwight trying to give him a little classical conditioning so that when the uh Windows sound goes off that he gives Dwight a mint. Now, we've said this before that, you know, the pranks are kind of, on some level, I get annoyed by the pranks. If we don't see any kind of justification for the prank, like, if I don't see Dwight acting like a jerk to Jim, then I sort of don't really appreciate the joke. Like, I want to see him get it. I want to see him deserve it for some reason. But I, I think we're supposed to assume that Dwight was a jerk and did deserve it because... He pretty much always has. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, the last few episodes this season, they've really made him into much more of a likable kind of guy, much more of a but nicer only, guy. But only, really only to Angela. Well. I mean, you as a viewer know that, so you like him more. You don't enjoy seeing him get his. Well, that's but part of it. I mean, I don't to know. To everyone could, else in the office, he's still 
I you know, the suppose. same guy ordering people to do this. And <laughs> Is this where I give my sigh, I guess, response? No. <laughs> um, no, I, but no, I mean, he's, he was sort of nice to Pam in that one scene where he comforted her when she was crying in the hallway and, and some other thing. I don't know. Well, my, Jim doesn't know about that, though. Right, but my point is just simply the fact that I know about it, and that's what I mean. Is like, as a viewer, me, personally, I don't find the pranks funny if there's not justification. This particular prank, though, I didn't really mind it. I thought this was actually much more akin to something from last season. It's actually something that I found believable that right. he would do in an office situation. That's quite clever. Because yeah. we've got some other, like... Some other people commented on our blog page a while ago about you know the deleted scenes where they were talking about how when Michael was on his vacation to Jamaica that Jim like did all this crazy stuff and and like mailed him his desk to Roswell and all these kind of things that just seems so ridiculously over the top. But this is more along the lines of you know moving the desk a quarter inch closer to the wall or you know yeah. those things that he had done in the past. It was much more of a believable kind of prank. So I I didn't. Minded again, at all. I thought it was this goes clever. back to what we were talking about at the beginning. What is this show? What What does this show always seem to have? Jim's pranks on Dwight are a key part of the show. Right. When you don't have that, such as when Jim was in Stanford, a key element of the show is missing. Right, and we had that, and we had a little bit of Pam trying to keep that alive, and we had Jim with the you know facts from the future and that kind of stuff, but... But yeah, and and that's true. But and like I said, I still kind of maintain that in humanizing Dwight to the audience, that they've they've really sort of taken away a lot of our um, desire to see him get burned. I mean, it's sort of the same thing that we said before when Andy was there. You know, we figure, okay, Andy's going to be the guy who's the crazy jerk now, and he's going to deserve to get pranked, and we'll find that to be good. And and. and you know, when well, this, he left, this was really, I mean, this was really a harmless prank, though. Oh, right. I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to compare these to the way that we've, what we've gotten before. Yeah. I mean, this one was very, very mild, and I think it was pretty funny. And it was, it, you know, it was clever. Uh, and, uh, the only thing I had against the scene was just the way that it was written. Uh, as far as, uh, we're intelligent people, and I'm assuming that Jim is an intelligent person. So why would you start off by saying, in school, this one scientist... You know, just come out and say, you know, in my psych class in college, uh, we read about Pavlov, and I don't yeah, know. Maybe some people don't know what Pavlov is. I mean, yeah. Mo- oh, He's explaining know. what Pavlov is. I mean, I, I don't know. It seemed a little kooky to say, you know, like, well, this one scientist guy used to do this kind of stuff. But that's a nitpick, neither here nor there. Like I said, it was it was kind of clever, and it was it went back to the uh, second season. It was really more of a harmless kind of prank, and it, it, it really just makes you wonder, like, what <laughs> what kind of workload does Jim have? That he has so much free time. Oh, I know. think he thinks this stuff up at home. <laughs> no. Well, it's while Karen's talking to him. He's thinking about how can <laughs> Karen he... has five-hour yeah, five conversations with Karen. He's like, yeah. <laughs> planning where, where, where these out. Karen wants bed. to know where they stand or, you know, <laughs> what does this all mean? He's thinking about how he can prank Dwight. Yeah, you know, if I give him an Altoid when I play the window sound. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, in between nodding. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're right. That's a good I know. theory. I, I like that one. Saying. But as far as the other kind of pranks go in the episode. I'll leave it to you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, sort of like with Ben Franklin, we talked about that, you know, who was Jim pranking in that episode? And mm. did it prank who he thought it was going to prank? And, and, and what was the, really the repercussion of that as far as who got hurt and who was annoyed? And, uh, you know, we basically came down and said, you know, he ruined the girls' bachelorette party. We'll talk about that as far as uh, what he and Dwight get up to at the wedding a little bit later. 
before we go on, I guess, and starting on the episode, yeah, any any other comments or anything you want to make before we get started? Nope, let's get into it. All right, well, what's the situation? What's going on? Let's let Michael introduce it for us. Phyllis is getting married, and I am in the wedding party. She has asked me to push her father's wheelchair down the aisle, so basically I am co-giving away the bride. Since I pay her salary, it is like I am paying for the wedding, which I'm happy to do. It's a big day for Phyllis, but it's an even bigger day for me, employer of the bride. Yes, I put Michael in my wedding. It was the only way I could think to get six weeks off from my honeymoon. No one else has ever gotten six weeks before. I I find it great on the one hand that Phyllis is smart enough, savvy enough to know how to play Michael. I mean, six weeks off. Yeah. For a honeymoon, that's, uh, I I don't know. I can only imagine what uh, what corporate or what Jan is going to say about that. But, you know, be that as it may, I guess Phyllis figured it's worth it to to have that trade-off. Yeah, we don't, know if Bob, we don't know if Bob agrees, but... Yeah, well, Bob must have known about it beforehand. I, I, yeah. I guess he probably didn't think it was going to be as annoyingly bad as it was. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you got to love that. I mean, I'm the employer of the bride. <laughs> I pay her salary, so yeah, in like fact, I'm for paying the for the thing. wedding. <laughs> That's exactly what everyone thinks. Oh, <laughs> this is all thanks to him. Well, it's a big day for Phyllis. It's an even bigger day for Michael Scott. <laughs> and you gotta be, am- you know, you just gotta be amazed by that guy's balls at that point, taking credit for everything basically in the wedding. And will Phyllis come to regret it? I don't know. We'll have to see. Arriving at the wedding, everyone's kind of coming together. And uh, I got a question for you, Ian. Did yes. Stanley re-gift his toaster? Ooh, uh, my magic eight ball says all signs point to yes. <laughs> well, I agree because if you remember from the. Uh, from the first episode, was that Gay Witch Hunt when they did that right away at the beginning of the season where um, he talks about the fact that he bought a toaster and he now he can't return it because they don't make that kind anymore? Oh, you're right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, not only is the wedding everything that Pam had picked out, but it's also Pam's gift, perhaps, <laughs> that Phyllis is going to get from Stanley. It didn't even occur to me, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jim, yeah, and, and Jim and Karen, of course, bring a sweet toaster as well. Now, I have another question for you, too. Now, why is Michael flying solo at this wedding? Shouldn't Jan be there with him? Jan, I think, is still under the impression that no one knows that they're dating. She's still trying to be cool and keep everything on the hush-hush, so she can't be there as Michael's date. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true, and on the other hand, if he had, if she was there, he wouldn't really be free to act like quite the ass that he does. Right, and, you know, would Phyllis invite Jan to her wedding? Eh, probably not. Let's get a little more action with our favorite new couple of the season, Dwangela. Hello, Angela. Hi, Dwight. You look as beautiful as the Queen of England. Thank you. Don't linger. Break left. Left. The Schroots have their own traditions. We usually marry standing in our own graves. It makes the funerals very romantic. But the weddings are a bleak affair. Did you like that whole Jackie Kennedy look uh, Angela was sporting uh, there? I love that Jackie O look, man. <laughs> you know, here we go. Dwight, as dumb and goofy as he is, he knows how to bring the compliments, I guess. He knows how it's to smooth, yes. please his lady there. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't know his left from his right, I guess. Got a little confused. Well, all the blood's probably out of his <laughs> drink from his head. So, yeah, he. what do you think about that whole thing with the family tradition of the great uh, I All I could think of was, like, please, dear... 
higher power, Lord in heaven, whatever, uh, please let there not be a spinoff uh, called The Shroots. Because <laughs> if well, I have to watch that, I will. I, I bet you, you know, see, once the office... I will uh, pour bleach right <laughs> into my eyes. Once the office runs its course, you're going to have, you know, it's going to be the Joey of... Uh, I think Rain Wilson, spin-offs. hopefully he'll have enough of a movie career by then where he doesn't have to resort. Oh, come tactics. on. It'll be, it'll be Rain Wilson and then Cousin Moe's, and then we can invent, you know, put some more wacky cousins all living in the barn. Uh, it'd be and crossbows and wrestling matches and grave weddings for all. That sounds absolutely <laughs> terrible. Well, this is what I was talking about before um, as far as the scene that really kind of bothered me the first time through. Wedding's getting started. Everyone's kind of getting ready. Uh, Phyllis is getting ready, and Michael goes in to give her some, hopefully some helpful advice on how to please Bob on the wedding night. Do you want to talk about tonight? No. Because I know you're probably worried about pleasing Bob. A lot of pressure. Did you break wind? It's okay. If you did, it's a very natural reaction. It's your wedding. And you're nervous. That wasn't me. Okay. Um, I'm sure that Bob. Wow, that is that is pungent. Now again, why would Michael think that uh, somehow like like Phyllis is some virgin bride or something? <laughs> You know, I know you're worried about I trying think to please Bob. He, doesn't, he just has never, the idea of Phyllis having sex, just either something he's never thought about or that repulses him. Well, I mean, he said that, didn't he? Yeah, speech, in the deleted you know? scene, if you saw that. If you see the deleted yeah. scene, he talks about that. It's uh, kind of a scary moment. But, you know, I think it's he, he thinks he's playing his role as father of the bride, I guess. And, yeah. you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Go give your daughter a little talk about pleasing your man on the night of the wedding and uh, yeah and that's what I said that that whole non sequitur about you know did you break wind just the first time through came out of nowhere and I Although, just found it so baffling Steve Carell is very good at uh, making scenes like that work well I mean he plays it very straight and that's the thing you know he plays it pretty straight uh, as far as someone being in that situation and like what would you do uh, <laughs> you know as far as even acknowledging it but it's so you know it's He's such a nice and understanding father, too, because, you know, he's like, oh, it's, it's, it's natural. It's okay. <laughs> well, as we talked about before, now, Michael uh, wants to tell us a cute story about the fact that when he was a kid, he, uh, he only has been to one other wedding in his life. And, uh, you know, I guess this is a prime example of how time heals all wounds. <laughs> the fact that he could call this a cute story boggles my mind but uh, let me let him explain it to you my mom was marrying jeff and they asked me to be ring bearer and i was understandably emotional and somehow my pants became wet i hate you long story short jeff's dog ended up as ring bearer and the irony is that after the ceremony that dog peed on everything and nobody said boo so i don't know too too uncomfortable (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, I, I guess I already. I feel like I already said my piece on this. I just didn't right. think. I don't need to see why Michael is the way he is, and well, it, yeah, it just adds this sadness uh, <laughs> to the character. Right, it makes him um, even. I, I agree that it does make him even more sad than he is in, in reality. But you know, I I think that as far as why that was included in there, it's, it seems obvious that it was done as a structural device. For the episode, you know, Michael's only been to two weddings in his life. This 
bad one when he was a kid and then this one for Phyllis. Um, a lot of parallels between what happens. You know, he's asked to be in the ceremony and he can't really handle it. And he says, I hate you. And then he comes back later with Bob and he can't really handle it. And then he says, I hate you. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, it's obviously in there as a structural device kind of to, to parallel these two situations. I am but impressed do... with Michael's comment. Uh, that he, he obviously does know the correct definition for the word irony even if he doesn't know the correct definition for the word weddings. You bring up a really good question as to why Michael refers to this as cute. I mean, does he really believe that? (laughs) Well, I think, again, like I said, looking back at 20-whatever-some years to that point, he probably, you know, has blurred out the details in his mind of how horrible it is. Um, I I do want to mention also that whole thing with with Jeff was a reference to, I believe, the uh, branch closing episode from season three where he makes some offhanded comment about how, um, you know, I stopped my mom getting married to Jeff and, you know, I'm going to stop this or something like that. So I, I don't know. He appear to stop it there. Yeah. I, I, well, maybe he said he had to try to stop it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I should have gone back and, and looked at it, and I'm sure that the really diehard, diehard fans out there are probably That's calling for my blood. supposed to be us. <laughs> sort of an interesting throwback to uh, to that earlier comment and you know it is kind of interesting and and the the funny thing is that with greg daniels being the one of the producers on the show and we've talked about this before that you know he used to work on simpsons and he worked on king of the hill and one of the things he mentioned with the office is that he wanted to make it sort of like the simpsons where there's this kind of huge ancillary cast of characters that Mm -hmm. sort of just kind of grow you know outward and so here here's another like little (laughs) totally obscure character of jeff you know, someday we might have thrown into the episode here. But, uh, yeah, this is an interesting kind of situation. Who would have thought that uh, Bob Vance, uh, introduced earlier in the show, would have gotten to this point? And certainly Phyllis herself uh, it came out of the show as a totally, you know, throwaway, one, two-line person. Now she has a whole episode dedicated to her wedding, uh, which, again, is which sort of like... she's barely in, but, you know... yeah. It's again, I mean, it's, it does go back to The Simpsons again, where you get these episodes that sort of focus like on uh, really obscure characters now as you kind of go out a little further from... Uh, but if an episode's about Mo, it's about Mo. Well, Homer's always in there, and there's always a Bart B story, so I don't know. you got to have your main cast in there. And, you know, that that might be a problem, and that might be something that we need to talk about as far as... Like you said, is that the show? Is that all that people want from the show? We have to have Michael acting goofy. We have to have pranks, and we have to have Dwight doing something crazy. I mean, is is that is that we have to have that in every episode? Do you think, or is it possible to have an episode that's more about Oscar well, goes like, to the stores? Are we I'd ever like going to see think that? We could have an episode where different things happen, but I mean, since we've done this podcast, I mean, I think that. Aren't those the episodes that seem to get the most positive feedback or the most acclaim? Like, oh, that was the perfect episode because it did this, this, and this, just like it always should do, you know? (laughs) Right. Well, I think that is true. I mean, obviously, The the Office, as much as it's sort of non-conventional as far as compared to other sitcoms, it does have its own formula that it follows. And uh, speaking of formula, in fact, one of the things I mentioned on the blog page was that uh, as I thought about this episode, it seems almost a copy of the booze cruise episode from season two mm-hmm. um and i mentioned this i don't know if you if you did you catch up on that episode yeah yeah okay i mean do you do you agree do you think i'm crazy with that 
No, I think I think that's a good comparison. Because the overall yeah. structure, I mean, basically what I said, the reason why I compared the two and why I, why this one brought up Booze Cruise to me is that it starts off the same way. It starts off with everyone going to a big event. So everyone's out of the office. Um, Michael, in his own way, wants to take charge. And mm-hmm. by trying to take charge, he ends up getting himself thrown out, ejected, you know, handcuffed on the boat deck or thrown out of the wedding, whichever one you want to prefer. There's also a big thing between Jim and, <clears throat> Jim and Pam where they're flirting and, oh, there's something going to happen. And, and then, just like in Booze Cruise, Roy steps up at the last minute and makes a big play, which throws the whole, uh, you know, Pam-Jim thing out of whack. Just like also in Booze Cruise, and Booze Cruise, Jim's there with Katie, uh, and here he's with Karen. Uh, the only difference in the Booze Cruise episode is that at the end of it, you know, he basically realized that Katie was just there for no reason, and he broke up with her. You know, it's like, a, let's just break up. Okay, how about that? Yeah. Uh, and this episode, then, instead of being truthful, I guess, with his feelings, he just kind of does that little backslide where he's like, oh, you know, I'm glad I'm with Karen. Uh, Maybe that's that character growth you were clamoring for a couple weeks ago. Oh, but that's not character growth. That's That's going backwards. That's him, like, not going for what he wants and just settling for what he doesn't really want. I don't know. But that's a well, far... The dynamics, the dynamics are different in, in several ways. But you're right. Structurally, it, it does seem like almost an identical... So I, I do think that we, you know, like I said, we are used to that formula. And I think when the formula works, it, it really works well. Uh, when it doesn't work, I think that it can be a problem. And, and you might be right as far as, like, the, you know, the ingredients. You know, maybe you need only a half a cup of Michael uh, each episode instead of a full cup or whatever you want to say. We got kind of far afield from him peeing his pants in the <laughs> wedding. So uh, let's go back to the other thing I was talking about, the other prank that happens in the episode, and it is, again, Jim and Dwight. Who are these people? You know what? I bet a lot of them are wedding crashers. No way. Did you ever see that movie? Of course I saw it. I saw wedding crashers accidentally. I bought a ticket for Grizzly Man and went into the wrong theater. After an hour, I figured I was in the wrong theater, but I kept waiting. That's the thing about bear attacks. They come when you least expect it. You know, I just wish, I wish I had the investigative powers to actually smoke some of these guys out, you know? Once again, Jim, I will take care of this. I will locate the wedding crashers and report them to Phil's. That way I won't have to get her a gift. Now, I think that was pretty funny. I like the line about the grizzly man thing and the... <laughs> that's the thing about kind of reminiscent attacks. of the 28 days, yeah, 28 days later thing. Exactly, and I was going to bring that up too, so I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And uh, Yeah, it was kind of just like that too, but still, it was a funny line. And it did, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty good Dwight line. Now... Here's the thing that I want to bring up. This is the question I asked. Because just like in Ben Franklin, who is hurt by the prank? Well, it really seemed like Phyllis and the other ladies were hurt by the prank. Not anyone else. Not Michael, certainly. Um, who was, was Dwight hurt by this prank? Who was hurt by the prank? The person I think that was hurt by this prank more than anyone else uh, was Phyllis. Or Uncle Al, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, yeah, putting the scare into the family. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know, I hadn't thought about this very much until you brought it up before uh, we started recording. But I don't think... I think the the prank's intent wasn't necessarily to get at Dwight. It was to get Dwight the hell away from him. <laughs> yeah. Jim's sitting there, they're going into the, the sanctuary or whatever, you know, and Dwight's complaining about all these people. It's like, come on, it's a wedding. There's usually going to be a hundred, a couple hundred people. Will you just shut up and relax? But he won't. He keeps going on. 
So he does this to just send him off, you know? Well, what, are you disagreeing that we need a new plague to wipe out some of the population of the Earth? Come on. Well, that's the thing. I, and, and we had some other people, and we read a letter last week, and one of our contributors to the blog page, Nomi, had said that, you know, it is a comedy, and sometimes we should just lighten up, I guess. This might be one of those cases where we just need to lighten up a little bit, but... Yeah, and, and the same thing with the... Uh, with Uncle Al wandering the streets, you know, I mean, right. yeah, you, you know, like you were telling me that some people on on a forum or something like that were saying, well, you know, shouldn't the cameraman have helped him? I just think that's sometimes <laughs> we, we we can overthink these things. Yeah, that's true, and you know, again, that is sort of a questionable towing the line, like we talked about before. You know, is is a demented old man wandering the streets really humorous? Maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, there is kind of an element of danger in there that's not really that funny on some levels. And Jim is responsible for that, ultimately, <laughs> because of his prank on Dwight. So, well, he's case, off the hook because nothing ultimately happened. Right, and that's the thing that we come back, of course, does have a, a happy ending in the end. But, you know, I just, I, I, I just want to keep coming back to that whole idea of, of pranks because it seems like that more and more we're getting these, these things that come up that they're not, really, <laughs> they're not really hurting anyone. And Jim, you know, you can really come off as seeing Jim as just being a huge asshole. In these episodes this season, in certain situations, uh, if you hadn't watched season two, I can only imagine what you'd think about him and, and his motivations. I think for That's this. That's a good question. This season, but that just leads into then you know in the wedding. This is really what makes Michael go nuts, is because he feels like he's the father of the bride. He's wheeling Phyllis's dad in his wheelchair down the aisle. Um, he wheels him too fast, like he wants to be the one to hold Phyllis's hand, and, and they have a fight about that, and then they get about halfway down the aisle, and Phyllis's dad gets his strength or whatever he has and, and stops the wheelchair, uh, stands up, and then Phyllis and you know Albert are there walk down the aisle, and Michael is, of course, left then with the chair. <laughs> and uh, what is his assessment of this whole thing? Me walking Phyllis down the aisle was supposed to be the highlight of the wedding. And now the wedding has no highlight. I can't believe I pushed that that guy's lazy ass around all day until he was ready to stand up and steal the show. That's <laughs> well, I got news for you, Albert. The show's not over. <laughs> the that highlight of the right wedding. There. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna say the highlight of the wedding was supposed to be me pushing <laughs> Phyllis's dad down the aisle. Uh, if the Michael screwing up the wedding storyline had been cut off right there, I would not have had a problem with it. I think that was perfectly enough. When he turns to the camera and says, this is bullshit, that was hilarious. <laughs> and that said, everything you needed to know about Michael and what he perceived his role to be or you know how it's all about him, but you know maybe it's not as cringe-inducing until you have him push it too far. Maybe that's right. the point. And that's but I just feel like if they'd cut it off right there, that was enough. Yeah, and that's the thing with, with the show is a lot of times, like you said, if you, to build up the humor, a lot of times they have to they ratchet up the cringiness. So that was like a good funny line, like you said. And that was the commercial break right there where he turns around and says, you know, that's Perfect. bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, that, that sums great... everything up, like you said. Now, the, the problem is that when they come back from the break, that's not enough. No, we have to layer on another five layers oh, of cheese and other stuff on top of that. 
scene of him. So I want to talk about that because you actually had a good theory that I was baffled by. He's like, why does he clank and clank that wheelchair down the aisle like that? I mean, yeah, to be a jerk and to get attention to himself, but um, I was baffled as to what that well, was, think, and you thought that was because of what? Yeah, I think Phyllis's dad locked the wheels to get on the wheelchair so Michael couldn't push him anymore. <laughs> well, that makes perfect sense. Actually, it makes a lot more sense. I was just sitting there thinking, why? Why is he doing that? Why couldn't he just wheel the chair down the aisle, park it, go stand with the other people? That um, didn't occur to me the first time I watched it, though. So, yeah, it's like, you know, is he just being, uh, you know, is he just pouting and trying to get all the attention back onto him after what would have been, I mean, seriously, that would have been what everyone was talking about. At a wedding, right. I mean, what an inspirational moment. You know, dad stands up to walk his daughter down the aisle. I mean, that you know, that's... Right, and it's totally lost on him because it's all about his egocentricity. You know, it's, he, it's, not, his, it's not that her dad got up and walked. And, and, like, I think Dwight in the background says something like, it's a miracle. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody says that, and it sounded kind of like Grain Wilson to me. But, but anyway, yeah, Michael, that's lost on him. He just right, yeah, he, he, he got screwed. Stage. I got yeah. screwed, and, and forget you. And then that, that scene is just torturous. Like, they spend about a minute of him clonking down the aisle uh. with that wheelchair, and he's taking those wedding steps where, like you said, he's like taking a step and then bringing his feet together. And then he has to squeeze his way into the groomsmen at the, <laughs> at the altar. And well, that was the other thing. Were the, bra- were the uh, groomsmen trying to, deliberately trying to squeeze him out, or was he not taking his correct place in the yeah. procession there? Maybe he was supposed to stand... Uh, you know, at the the bottom of the steps with the dad in the chair or something. And yeah. once the dad stood up, then he didn't have anywhere to go, and then damned if he's going to get left out <laughs> of the wedding party. And so he squeezes his way in there. Um, now, I did not play this. I did not record this clip, but and that's bad enough. But then we get the, um, ladies and gentlemen, may I present Bob and Phyllis? So, I mean, that was funny, too. I mean, of course it was... It was <laughs> Really, really awkward and cringe-inducing, but at least, again, that was something like, okay, yeah, Michael wants to be the showman and have all the attention on him. Right, you know, and it was kind mind. of funny, that, and then yeah. he even notices that, he even knows that he screwed up, he's like, damn, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> steps back in the line and then does it again right as soon as they actually stab Bob, say I do, and then, and then gets the big thunderous applause that he was hoping for the first time. Now... Ian, I have another question for you here uh, as far as what you thought about this because some people on the blog page thought this was hilarious. They loved it. I personally thought it was just really trying too hard. It was really out of place. The fact that they said, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, do you take Phyllis? Uh, oh, I thought that was funny. Oh, you did? I just thought yeah. that was so over... I, I thought it was a joke for joke's sake because it's like, how would who would say that at their wedding ceremony? Right, who I mean, was, well, maybe Bob Vance. <laughs> You know, he has a chance to uh, pump up the business there. Yeah, I mean, it well, was it seemed silly, to me like it was to throw out to the fans, you know, to say. Yeah, but you know what? If he hadn't said it, you know, part of you might be wondering, well, wait a minute, how many fans refrigeration? <laughs> so here's the thing. Dwight is on patrol then after Jim sends him off looking for wedding crashers. And Dwight, if you look at the deleted scenes, it shows him checking uh, the people as they come in, asking for you know IDs and whatever the case may be. No, he doesn't ask for IDs. Well, was... yeah, after after Jim chastises him, he must have started up doing it after that. But he, you know, he spots what he thinks is his first wedding crasher, and damned if he's going to let that guy get away with that bun in his pocket. Excuse me, sir. The bride and groom. What are their names? 
Oh, I I don't. Uh, I'm not oh, sure. I get it. I get it. Come on, I... preloader. Let's move it. Come on. Come on. Okay. Okay. Where are we going? You gotta find yourself another wedding to crash, my friend. Oh. Uh, attention, everyone. Attention, please. Uh, I'm supposed to ask if anyone has seen Uncle Al. He is old and has brown eyes and dementia. His family is very concerned. It's a very serious situation. And he says right before he launches into singing Roxanne <laughs> in this pretty bad falsetto voice. He but is um, old and has brown hair. <laughs> Oh, brown eyes and dementia. Oh, oh, right, man. So I don't know. We've already talked about that a lot as far as whether that's funny. It's, it is funny now. Like I said, that announcement and the <laughs> everything is kind of funny. And you can see that Dwight actually feels bad. Yes. About what or he happened. knows he made a mistake. Right. And so I, I'll, I'll, that's starting to grow on me. I poor old Uncle Al. At least I know that he <laughs> turns up safe and sound later on in the yeah, episode. He was sticking a bun in his pocket. Come on. <laughs> well... Here we come full circle then back to that original wedding video of Michael's mom and Jeff. The best man, I guess, gives his speech about Phyllis being a hell of a bowler. And for some reason, Michael steps up to the microphone and uh, starts to deliver his, I don't know, one of about three or four different wedding speeches that he seems to have prepared. I'm guessing, based on the deleted scenes, apparently this was part of his deal to be in the wedding to make a speech. I guess it's oh, okay. Phyllis' fault. Part, but yeah, I mean, he must not be aware of the hierarchy usually in wedding parties. Yeah, I suppose that uh, it's maybe Phyllis' fault that he does what he does. Uh, you know, again, is that six weeks vacation worth it? I, I, I guess it probably is. Probably <laughs> to put up is. with Michael's idiocy for uh, a few hours. Phyllis and Bob, you look at her, and she's kind of matronly today. But back in high school, I swear... Her nickname was Easy Rider. Now, as for Bob, Bob Vance was that's okay, is that's a guy Thanks. that Thanks, Bob. Give me he one. works. Okay, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, look, I didn't say anything when Dolce's dad upstaged me at the ceremony, and I think you owe me this. Okay. Give me the microphone. No, I'm not going to okay. give me the microphone. Okay. Okay. Good. You're out. Of yeah, here. I'm. You're out of here. You're. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, her nickname was Easy Rider. <laughs> Didn't we all stand up for Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration at that moment? <laughs> well, I can't believe something. that in the, the last two episodes that he's put up with Michael as much as he has. We can see, I guess, like you said, we've been talking about that all season, his build-up and resentment about, uh, about a pair of Marys <laughs> uh, and all that stuff. And, and that's finally the, the last draw. Someday I want to find out why she earned that nickname. <laughs> uh, she liked motorcycles. Well, Dwight's... Uh, again, has to do his job because Michael tries to sneak back in to the wedding. And, um, you know, again, the way that he does it, the way that they shoot it, he's like trying to sneak in behind one of the portly bridemaids. <laughs> and Dwight will have none of it. Come on, I can't let you in, Michael. Dwight, just... No, it's Bob and Phyllis's orders. Look, I just wanted to go in and quietly sit and have a piece of cake. Why don't we get a dance? One song. You are a real life wedding crasher, and I must bounce you. I'm sorry, it gives me no pleasure. Okay. But yet it does give him. Oh, much he pleasure. relishes that. Now, what do we make of, the power of this? Dynamic. What does that go to show us? Is it just that Dwight has no loyalty to Michael, or is it just is it that he he has loyalty to whoever is his boss? Yeah, I think he just takes that role so seriously, and there's the added 
fringe benefit of, you know, holding a little bit of power over Michael in that moment. <laughs> right, but you think, you know, it, I guess he said this in another episode, something like, um, you know, I, I really value loyalty and I'll go wherever they pay me the most to be loyal or something like that. Mm, yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> well, I think, like I said before, I, I, it's sort of interesting to see Dwight's kind of total yes man, I guess, uh, coming into play because if Michael's his boss, then he is totally behind Michael. In this case, he has a job. You know, he's hired by Phyllis. Yeah, apparently the boss of the wedding. To, uh, <laughs> to be the crash, you know, the, the, the guy that sniffs out the wedding crasher, so he's going to dang well do his job and enjoy it. All right, let's wrap up the Michael plotline here. Uh, Michael dejected outside, uh, listening to the party, jumping up and down, trying to peer into the window. Um, just, you know, like I said, basically handcuffed to the deck as he was in the booze cruise. Um, finds a confidant out there in the foyer. Just want Phyllis to have a great day. Phyllis and you will be great together. We are great together. We are a great team the Celtics were a great team. Yes, they were. Robert Parrish. I should talk to her. I don't want this to ruin her honeymoon. Nobody ever helped me. I had to do it myself. Dude, keep it together. I listened to you for a half an hour, even though most of that stuff went right over my head. Phyllis? Phyllis, wait, please. I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to make this a day to remember. He's starting to go out. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a weirdo. Thank you, Michael. You're, you're welcome. So Michael finds his redemption, actually apologizes for his idiocracy, and gets, I don't know, a little kiss, and, and is treated as a hero for finding Uncle Al. That, yes. uh, that guy is like, dude, hold it together. I would have pushed Uncle Al off that bench for bringing up the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I hate the Boston Celtics. I hate no, Robert come Parrish. Come on, Parrish, McHale, Bird. What do you got against those guys? Pure gold. Pistons knocked them out of the playoffs in 88. That's my... Like I said, Michael redeems himself and ends up, like I said, he he always, even though he goes through and acts like a jerk, he does always kind of come out on the good side of things at the end. Now, do you think that we're going to have Phyllis gone from the show now for the rest of the season? Well, I hope not because, geez, how long has Oscar been? <laughs> He's like been exiled. Well, this might be his I chance. I hope we don't. This might be his chance to have some screen yeah. time if Phyllis is not there. Yeah, maybe then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope we don't go without Phyllis for six weeks. But, yeah, it's you know, not like Phyllis other... is exploring other projects, I don't think, in real life. Well, maybe the other cast members are rubbing their hands together in anticipation. For... <laughs> well, okay, we can't let this go, because you and I have gone on record as being full-on Flenderson, I don't know, not necessarily haters. Yeah, but, I was going to uh, say, don't say haters. Cause... <laughs> but we, uh, we make some fun of the Flend, and... Uh, in this episode, it's kind of weird because he shows up at the wedding with a really hot chick. Kevin totally doubts his story of where she came from, you know, and we're sitting here thinking, okay, escort service, escort service, right? Yeah, I don't know. What do you possible. think about that? I think he could have picked her up at the gym. Why not? I mean, we don't know. To- well, Toby's always under that, you know, that rumpled suit, you know, maybe underneath he's, you know, he's well. rocking out the... <laughs> well, it's just like, remember, Daryl said he's got them sad eyes. Yeah. Draws in the chicks. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny, and, you know, especially in the end when, like we said before, when Ryan bats the bouquet out of Kelly's hand, he uh, it, it goes over and is deflected into Toby's date, and she picks it up, and, you know, like, as far as being an escort, that's why I kind of doubted it, because she, she walked over to him and then, like, gave him a big kiss 
on the mouse, so it's kind of like, oh, that seems... It's very possible that if he hired her as an escort, she still would have kissed him, because she was <laughs> supposed to be his date. I suppose. I guess that's uh, that's the extra... That was the deal. Package. Maybe, you know, they, <laughs> they didn't have the... Uh, that, that was the part of the deal. Not not what happens afterwards. Just, you know, <laughs> hang on my arm. You know, I, I gotta play Come on, you've never thought of hiring an escort for a wedding? Oh, I don't need one, man. I'm smooth. Oh, all right, there you go. But, uh, you know, let's give it up for Flanderson, man. Toby. Yeah. Toby. Yeah. Toby. Yeah. Yeah. Toby. Yeah. Oh, man. for that man in that moment. Oh, good. You know what? I hope Toby went home and broke his bed. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Toby. Yeah. (laughs) Toby. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Uh, no more Flunderson hating. <laughs> I just one thing I, I bow. Do, okay, let's get back to serious talk about the show. One thing I do want to bring up though is the fact that whole plot lines have just been dropped out of this whole season. And that whole plot line, you remember from the beginning of the season, the whole plot line where Toby had a crush on Pam? That really has not yes. gone anywhere. And all the scenes that it that they tried to incorporate into the show ended up in the deleted scene. Now, do you think that they've just given up on that plot line? We're never going to see that happen at all. Well, it might pop up now again. That's This episode wasn't the place to revisit it, I don't think. Seems like a wedding and drinks and stuff, that might be a perfect time to revisit such a thing. Hey, but he brought a date. Yeah, but if she's, a fake, date. If she's a fake escort, you know. If. <laughs> Toby. <laughs> well, good old Toby. In any case, let's I'm move dreamer. on. I, you know, I choose, to, I choose to believe in romance. And I, I would like Blenderson. to believe <laughs> Let's talk about the Pam and Jim and Karen plotline. And a lot of people were really upset by this episode that, of course, the promos hyped it up. And a lot of people saw it as ultimately nothing happened except uh, something pretty big actually did happen in the episode. Uh, And let's talk about that as we get to it. But let's just go ahead and kick it off because the big thing with Pam running through this episode is that uh, something looks a little familiar. Phyllis ended up using the exact same invitations as Roy and me. So it was kind of like being invited to my own wedding. And I was like, wait, I thought I called that off. Flowers are nice. PNR? Phyllis and Robert. Also, Pam and Roy. That's my dress. Are you all right? This must be so awful for you. What do you mean? Well, this is supposed to be your wedding. It's actually fine. There's no way it's fine. I'm sorry. If I was you, I would just, like, freak out and get really drunk and then tell someone I was pregnant. Okay. That's a lot of good ideas, right? I know I don't normally notice these kind of things, but uh, this wedding's really nice. I mean, the flowers and stuff, those has got some great taste. You're kidding me, right? I know you probably aren't going to remember this, but um, those color roses, I uh, got you those color roses for our prom. Roy, I picked those flowers. Phyllis just stole all of my ideas for our wedding. Isn't that really bad etiquette to do something like that? I, I, for Phyllis to do that? Yeah, yeah I, I find so. that amazing that Phyllis would just blatantly do that to, to Pam and not but even mention it to her. It could happen, right? I mean, like, Phyllis is probably kind of, she's been kind of set up as Pam's confidant or whatever. Well, do you think so, that she did it subconsciously or just knew all of P- Pam's that's plans a good question. and then did she do it stole subconsciously? them all? Yeah, maybe she figured, well, Pam's not going to use this now. So uh, That seems to me one of those kind of like girl rules, maybe, where you'd ask <laughs> ask someone before you take all their wedding ideas. I don't know. Maybe, seems like it would be, yes. Maybe that's just me. I don't know how the ladies go with that kind of stuff. But 
but anyway, yeah, that uh, so that's the plot driven. And, and the thing that's interesting to me about that clip there, that montage, is that Kelly's actually the one who's most right on with her original assessment of the situation. And as usual, Pam refuses to acknowledge that there's anything wrong, that she has a problem. Why can't that girl just open up? Not to Kelly. <laughs> well, to somebody, at least. You have to. I mean, she has no one to talk to. And Kelly well, nailed she does it at the end. That leads into the other situation because, of course, like I said, like Booze Cruise, we have a situation where uh, they're at a party and, and Jim and Pam are kind of going back and forth and they're with other people and uh, a little bit of flirting takes place. Hey. Hey. When are we going to get to see some of those famous beads and dance moves? <laughs> I'm pacing myself. Come on. Get out there. Give the people what they want. Oh, I'm such a dorky dancer. I know. And it's very cute. Hypothetically, if I thought Pam was interested, then... No, it's totally hypothetical. <laughs> Alright, so again, we have a big cop-out there by, uh, by Mr. Halpert. When asked point-blank by the documentarian, I guess... <laughs> Who obviously knows the situation. Yeah. You think they could help him out a little bit? Like, hey, dude, <laughs> she still wants you, man. Come on. But, yeah, for the purposes of the show, of course, we have to have them kept apart, uh, at least until sweeps week anyway. So, oh, that's um, so cynical. Well, <laughs> I don't mean to be cynical, but let's be honest, because that's what that's pretty much, you know, they're not going to have them get together uh, in the middle of March or something. But you know? uh, before you started this segment, you were saying that people were complaining that the promo was misleading. That's what promos do. What is the promo supposed to do? It's supposed to get you to watch, right? <laughs> it's not necessarily supposed to indicate what happens in the episode. Well, I think it's the problem with that, just like with, with doctored movie trailers, is the fact that if you go to that well one too many times, then people start to uh, get annoyed. You know, They start to get bothered by uh, being tricked every time. And I think that, you know, I didn't have any problem with this episode. I, as, as far as the Pam and, and Jim and Roy stuff goes. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty pitch perfect to me, that it made a lot of sense. It felt, you know, I hate to use this word with the TV comedy, but it felt realistic that that yeah. would happen. And we've been talking about that for weeks, about how Roy was, he set out in the first episode saying he was going to get her back, and yeah. damn it, he's tried his best. He's done, maybe he's been a little too over the top with his, I find Pam's art sexy, and that kind of stuff, yeah. but... You know, I mean, he's tried his best to get her back. And Pam's totally in a state of mind where she would um, go off with Roy. I mean, she's really vulnerable, you know. Well, but why not? That's the thing. That's the thing that's kind of baffled my mind is that a lot of people have been like, oh, I'm so mad that she went with him. You know, that's ridiculous. They completely explain that. I mean, I don't even blame her. I mean, at this point, like last season when Roy because was... Because it's not what they want to see. Right. Well, last season when Roy was the big caveman and was being an idiot and, and being, you know, insensitive and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we were sitting there saying, yeah, we want Jim. Jim is so much better of a nicer of a guy for her. She should dump Roy. But this last season, I mean, season three, who's been the nice guy? You know, Roy's been the nice guy. He's tried his best. He's been trying to get her back. And right. talk and then, to her and you know, help her. The only question is going to be whether that's how he really is or that's just how he's acting to get Pam back. Right, and if that's just... And I, I think that might be where we're heading with the situation is that once he has her back, if nothing changes, then, of but, course... Yeah, I can, I can understand being upset. I mean, yeah, everyone was disappointed when you see 
Roy and Pam holding hands. But again, I think they built up to that in this episode just fine. She had basically had her wedding stolen from her. The reason she called off the wedding is now with someone else. You know? <laughs> She's been beat up. So she goes to the one person who has, you know, that it's comfortable, that it's familiar, that is there for her, frankly. Right, and that's the thing. I mean, like I said, who's putting in the effort? Who's putting in the effort to woo Pam? It's sure as heck not Jim. Um, he's not doing anything, you know, proactive to get her, to woo her, as it were. And as much as we might not like Roy, you know, like I said, I don't... You said people are disappointed with that. I actually was not disappointed with that situation. The way that, that the character's been acting this season, I don't see anything wrong with him getting the girl back. Because Jim has really been spinning his wheels and hasn't really done anything to get her back. And hey, you know, what the heck? She's happy. Mm-hmm. If they're happy, whatever. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Again, is Pam settling for Roy? I don't know. At this point, I think he's he's said he was going to try to improve himself. And Maybe she is, himself. but so what? In that moment, that's what she needs. Yeah, but, I mean, he's he has improved himself from last season, so... You know, he's a better guy than he was. And like you said, we'll see whether or not that's going to keep up. And I guess the thing that really annoyed me the most about that is then again, just like with the booze cruise, as I said before, that Jim sees him leave and then he just sort of impotently, you know, says, oh, I'm glad I'm with Karen. You know, we, we know he's not glad he's with Karen. He knows he's not glad he's with Karen. I get frustrated with that because I just want well, him... He's mad at what he saw. I mean, the, Krasinski, I mean, the look on his face when he sees them walking off holding hands, I mean, that was a great look. Yeah, it's true, and he uh, maybe he realized that he had all this time, and he messed up. He didn't, he didn't, he had his window of opportunity, and he did not take it. All right, let's go over to the deleted scenes. There's only two scenes up so far since the show aired on Thursday, and I think they're pretty good stuff. And these, are, like we said before, these are scenes of kind of smaller characters that are excised to make room for, I guess, the main plots. And we had a discussion about this also before, like like we said last week, you know, are we glad to have these scenes, or would it be better if we didn't see them? The only thing that brings up confusion for me is that, Ian, are these deleted scenes, do we have to look at these as if they are canon to the show or are these things just they can ignore them as much as they want because they're actually deleted scenes i think they are treated as if they exist well i yeah i I think that sometimes they are but i'm i'm starting to wonder because i mean i i don't know a lot of these little plot lines that we said are are totally dropped like the toby and pam thing if if you're gonna put them online then i think they exist Okay, that as might far be as the, the case. That might be the case. Let's take a listen to these scenes. When you think about marriage, I always think about the shuns. What are the shuns, you ask? Well, affection and devotion and attention and, of course, sexual relations. Now, I know you look at these two and you think, how could that be possible? And I know you're all thinking about it right now. You're picturing them together. <laughs> bring, 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 bring. Hello? Oh, hey, Phyllis, what's up? Oh, you want me to walk you down the aisle, huh? Okay. And then you want me to give a heartwarming speech that's hilarious and funny? And then you want to kick me out on the street? No, thanks. No, I don't want to do that. I only want to do the first few parts. Click. Congrats on walking. I 
my life, I've proposed to four different girls, and one of them finally said yes. Stacy, she is awesome. If it could not have been Melissa Riley, I am psyched it was Stacy. Debbie and Daniel Donnelly, go ahead. All right, Filippelli Halpert, go on. Are you not happy for ID? Wow, it's gonna be a free-for-all. What's he doing? Crasher patrol. I'm gonna need to see some ID. But you know me. Oh, really? Do I, Oscar? Do I? This is called wedding cake. They always serve these things. Kind of a tradition. Thanks, Creed. Just because I'm gay doesn't mean I haven't been to a wedding. I would like to be married, but I'm afraid it would threaten the marriages of the heterosexual people around me. All that stuff I think is pure gold. I'm, Man, I'm I sad. love the Oscar stuff. That, <laughs> that scene between Oscar and Creed is hilarious. No, I, I like the scene with Dwight and Oscar, though. Do I, yeah, Oscar? Do I? You know, I know we t we've talked about this for the last few episodes, you know. Oh, if only The Office could be longer. To me, this episode just felt so short. And I know we're only getting two deleted scenes, but to me, this is if you were going to have an hour episode, this was the one to do it. Yeah, it definitely would have been one that was worth the extra time, and I guess they can't do that uh, when they want. They, you know, they, they could do a producer's cut, though, I guess, whenever they want. So uh, maybe, maybe they just they don't want to get in the habit. Have, yeah, maybe they actually didn't have the material for it. But I, this, I really wanted a longer episode. And to me, the deleted scenes, like I know sometimes I say, uh, you know, you can see why they were deleted. You know, they weren't that good. But in this case, I just thought it really enrich the episode. Yeah, like I said, I thought all that stuff was great in there. Um, wacky Creed line, and I, I do have to say that I, I did love, and I know that other people didn't think it was funny, but I, I thought it was hilarious, Creed's one you know, act in the actual episode where he comes into the present table and steals somebody's gift and puts that his own card Creed. on it. That's what he I does. Know, that's pure, I thought that was pure gold. So, more Creed, uh, that, yeah, interaction between Oscar was good, and, and we've really not gotten much out of him this whole season at all. Uh, I think Kate Flannery had, like, what, one line in this episode yeah, as I well? Yeah, her quota. Whoa, video iPod. I can't find an iPod. Dad, I know this Russian website where you can download songs for two cents a piece. Okay, the iPod. iPod. Everyone wants the iPod. This is awesome. I know. Totally gonna change the way I work out. The iPod. Maybe I should have taken the iPod. I want the iPod. Oh, shoot. Alright, well, ladies and gentlemen, I have a special treat for you this week. Live from Phyllis and Bob's wedding, I'd like to present Scrantonicity.
first wedding. This is the third wedding that Scrantonicity has played. We also played our bassist wedding and our guitarist's wedding. Scrantonicity, ladies and gentlemen. I got a couple of things to say. First of all, that talking head, wasn't it amazing? Kevin just lit up. He, was, he wasn't like the dolt <laughs> that he usually is, you know? He was well, just like, yeah. Aren't we like that? <laughs> After you get done with your job that you really don't like and you do something you actually enjoy, you're yeah. a whole different person. Uh, also, you can see uh, the progression of uh, Sting's career in that montage from really cool to loot playing douchebag. <laughs> hey, I love Fields of Gold. Um, but no, you know what the point of that? That This episode was kind of, if you paid attention to it, actually, which songs they played at which particular scenes, they were very specifically matched up with what was going on at the time. Um, you know, obviously, the every little thing she does is magic thing at the end where right after Pam kind of walks away and, uh, and Jim's standing there and, and all the songs kind of sync up sort of to what the, what was happening in the yeah, episode. Yeah, nice touch. Uh, any messages? Yeah, I just got back. Oh, Pam, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? It's called the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get a yeah. Uh, yeah, the one. Why didn't, uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can with a special filing cabinet. Yeah! Uh, that was a joke. Alright, well, let's clean out our faxes from corporate this week. Uh, first item, if you're wondering how this whole Jim, Pam, Karen thing might turn out, consider this. Rashida Jones just signed on to play a lawyer for a new Fox comedy titled The Rules of Starting Over. Craig Bierko, most recently on Boston Legal, will also star. So, Karen... Rashida Jones definitely will not return to the office next season. I suppose you can hold out a little bit of hope. I mean, you know, pilots don't get picked up and so forth. But Well, I've already, like I said, I saw another news item saying that she was definitely not coming back. So whether or not the pilot's successful, I don't know. It's too but bad you got to find out that way, though. Rain Wilson will host the February 24th edition of Saturday Night Live. Musical guests for the show will be Ciara. Okay, I might actually have to watch it that week. Uh, I know, I haven't watched it in quite some time. (laughs) All right, uh, John Krasinski is one of several actors reading letters and poems by soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan for a documentary called Operation Homecoming. Other actors participating include Robert Duvall, Josh Lucas, Blair Underwood, and Aaron Eckhart. The film opened last week in New York and will premiere on PBS on April 16th. Angela Kinsey posted a two-day video diary from The Office set at People.com. The four-episode tour includes visits to several cast members' trailers, a trip to the lunch tent, hanging out in the hair and makeup trailer, a peek into the writer's room, and, of course, the Dunder Mifflin set. No, I missed that. I'm going to have to go check that out. Uh, Also giving a tour of the Dunder Mifflin set was Phyllis Smith, who was profiled in her hometown paper, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, if you were ever curious how Phyllis and Bob met, uh, well, she says that they met over a changing tire. Apparently, Phyllis helped Bob on that one. 
On her MySpace blog, Melora Hardin updated the progress of her latest projects. She's working on the final cut of her film, which has the working title of You. Hardin will shop the film around to festivals throughout the rest of the year in search of a distributor. She also has plans for a live singing show in New York and Los Angeles, dates to be announced. Yeah, and if you remember from her uh, blog page, she's got quite that whole sexy singing thing going on, so check it out. Uh, lastly, Canadian fans of The Office might want to head out to the 28th annual Banff World Television Festival held on June 10th through 13th, 2007. Uh, Greg and Suzanne Daniels, as well as Ben Silverman, will be taking part in a series of interviews and master classes. Start saving now, though. The prices to register range between 1000 and 2100 bucks. So I get that stuff on YouTube. <laughs> well, next episode, Business School, uh, airing 8.30, 7.30 Central on February 15th. Ryan invites Michael to be a guest speaker at his business school. Meanwhile, Dwight battles a bat that gets loose in the office, and Pam invites co-workers to her first art show. The Dwight thing sounds horrible. Just terrible sitcom-y. Um, I'm hoping that they can pull it out, though, that make it sound a little better than the uh, the description there. But Very much looking forward to seeing Pam's art, though. Yeah, I, I do, and I want to see if it's sexy or not. And why would Ryan? Why do you think Ryan's going to invite Michael as an example of what not to do in business? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees: his salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, email coming to us from Johanna who said, Could Angela possibly be pregnant? In the Ben Franklin episode, we witnessed some peculiar behavior, even for Angela. First, when she learned she'd been sipping champagne, she spat it out right away. Secondly, she spent quite a bit of time grimacing during the episode. For example, when the stripper compliments her Jazz Babies poster. Well, Joanna, I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, Angela is too good of a Christian girl to fall for that kind of thing. But uh, worse things have happened, I guess, in society. We'll just have to yeah, see. Yeah, I agree. Do we even know that they've slept together? I, I would say that they probably have not. But again, it's one of those things that they have not ever brought up. This is posted by Megan on the blog page. One thing I noticed you missed about the Jim Pam storyline in the Ben Franklin episode ties into the stripper. When Dwight was ordering the stripper, he asked Jim which he would prefer, brunette or redhead, and Jim responds, blonde. Then they focus in on Pam, who I never really considered a redhead. I truly think that was Jim just avoiding the Pam Karen question by that response. Yeah, and that's why we didn't really bring it up, and I didn't use that clip because I thought that was kind of an annoying plot device. Because, yeah, I mean, who's ever thought of Pam as a redhead? Have you yeah. ever thought of it that way? I, And that's obviously what they wanted us to think. They wanted us to say, okay, redhead brunette, because they focused on Pam, then they focused on Karen, and then he throws out the blonde. And I, part of me, when I first saw it, I was like, well, Pam's not redhead. That doesn't mean anything. I thought that... Dwight, uh, Jim was just messing with Dwight, you know, to drop in the Angela reference in there. Uh, but then I was told by other people that they didn't think Jim knew about Angela, so I don't know what the case is. I think, I think it was just a clumsy attempt to try to force a choice between the two characters. Uh, this was posted by Melanie on the blog page. She says, 
I'm completely angry at Pam and Jim. For the first time, I agree with you, Matt. Why do they deserve to be together? I couldn't help but think of the British office, though, with Jim's hypothetical comment. Tim, the Jim analog character, has a strangely similar talking head in one of the later episodes. Um, well, it's always nice to have someone agree with me. Uh. <laughs> this is posted by Chris on the blog page. The reason the feedback on iTunes has been reduced appears to be because iTunes removed all comments by Anonymous. And in regards to her's chips, I don't know if you tried them yet or not, Matt, but email me and I will send you a bag. They are definitely the king of all salt and vinegar chips. Well, I, we, we talked about this before a couple weeks ago. I drove through Pennsylvania on my way back from Maine, and I have right now two bags of her's salt and vinegar chips sitting on the top of my refrigerator. Uh, I have not opened them. I haven't eaten them or tasted them yet because I'm kind of burned out on salt and vinegar chips, to tell you the truth. I went on a little binge for a while getting these Jay's or Lay's kettle cooked salt and vinegar chips, and they're just so sour. <laughs> they're sort of like really good, but then they really are bad at the same time. It's kind of hard What's to explain. What's the shelf life on those things? I, I don't know. Email from our, our resident cranky pants, Martin Sang. He said, this show is now Let's Watch Jim and Pam Do Nothing for 20 Minutes, plus You're the One I Want advertisements. I really wanted these kids to get together and was frustrated because they were perfect for each other. It's just awful now. You know, I can I understand that, like you said, to a certain degree. Now, Ian, weren't you telling me the other day uh, that the um, TV Guide podcast commented on the whole Jim Pam thing? Yeah, they seem to be over it there, too. Michael Osiello, who is, I wouldn't classify him as a huge fan of the show. I mean, I know he doesn't like Dwight, for instance. But, yeah, he, they seem to be getting a lot of emails from people too, and they were talking about on the show how, yeah, that, that seems to be the way sentiment is swinging. Well, I'd be interested in hearing what, what, uh, what people out there listening to that she said think. Are you over it? Uh, are you still rooting for Jim and Pam, or is it getting too old at this point? I'm really on the bubble. I gotta tell you that last season, I was really into it, and Casino Night really paid off, and then season three, I've been kind of up and down. Um, the initiation was the last time I think I felt a really Jim Pam connection, actually. So I wouldn't mind seeing it get pushed into the background a little bit. And I, I know some people would jump up and down and clamor for you know where's our jam storyline. But you know maybe maybe push it into the background a little bit, get people to want it again. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Right, and I think you, like you said, I think that's what we need to do because if they just keep doing this, like we said last week, if you keep doing the will they won't they thing for this whole year and then another whole year, it's just going to collapse. Finally, this email from Austin. I know you have probably already ripped apart the whole Pavlov's dog bit for being too wacky and contrived. I just wanted to put in my two cents that I think anything that has me reaching for my TiVo remote to watch it over and over again is awesome in my eyes. I think that most of the hard-to-believe wacky things in the show are my favorite. Thanks, and keep it up. Well, it's I, like I said, we didn't necessarily rip that apart. I thought that was actually probably the most <laughs> believable prank that they've done in fact, in the last bunch of episodes. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if you ripped it, I wouldn't even say that you did that, but, I mean, you're ripping the fact that he's pranking Dwight at all, really. Right, and I, my only comment, like I said, is I just wish that they would trust the audience to be smart enough to just say Pavlov instead of some scientist. But overall, yeah, overall, yeah. I thought that was one of the best pranks, maybe the best prank. He's yeah, this not, not bad at all. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. Join us next week around this time for Episode 17, Business School. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to TWSSpodcast 
at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at that's what she said dot libsyn dot com that's l-i-b-s-y-n now ian we've got uh, a lot of stuff going on over there at the blog page we have uh, a place to leave comments on our episodes as well as the actual office episodes as they air uh, we also have links to our email. We have links to our Frapper map that we put up there so I could see where everyone was coming from. And I also used a bit of Googling magic to add a chat room function mm-hmm. to the web page. And we were in there the other day chatting with about three or four other people. So if you, uh, you want to come on Thursday night after the show airs and join the chat, all you have to do is come to that's what she said.libson.com. Scroll down the page to the big green button that says join the chat, and it seems to work okay. So if you want to get a little more into the show or participate with other Office fans, drop on by. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And I think, as usual, I will give Michael the last word this week. They say that your wedding day goes by in such a flash that you're lucky if you even get a piece of your own cake. I say that's crazy. I say let them eat cake. Margaret Thatcher said that about marriage. Smart broad. Every little thing.